Preparing to delve in three, two, one. Hello, welcome uh, again to the cave that's continually taking on water. It must be, um, is it thawing outside? Is the snow going away? It must be, right? That's why it feels like I'm having some flooding issues down here. I haven't seen the sun in so long. Please tell me that the outside is nice. Anyway, um, you know what? Since I have some time on my hands down here, it's a perfect time to talk a little bit about the Bethesda Games Catalog. Because, you see, recently, Microsoft was able to complete their purchase of Bethesda, and now... 20 whole Bethesda games are available on Xbox Game Pass. That's pretty impressive. Most of them are also on PC, so you can get them on Xbox or PC. And I thought, what a wonderful time to actually talk about what is coming, because we're talking about 20 different titles, big ones too, that are now going to be available for anyone who happens to have Game Pass. And so, uh, I have the list available to me on this magical parchment paper from back in the olden days uh, of what those games are, and I thought I would go through them real quick to explain if they are worth your time. Uh, of course, it's all Game Pass, so if you happen to have Game Pass, uh, obviously, you might as well try them if they interest you at all. But uh, we are going to go through them in alphabetical order. And that means that the first one is going to be Dishonored, the Definitive Edition, which means that all of the additional content that they made for Dishonored is uh, in there as well. There were some other uh, smaller mission packs that went through with uh, Dowd that you could play. Uh, so all of that's included, as well as some of the special runes and stuff that you unlock at the very beginning. Uh, I have played the Dishonored series. Dishonored 2, we might as well talk about as well. That's also going to be available. Uh, is is a really good series. I like it a lot. It actually involves some of the stealth mechanics that I liked from other games, like Thief uh, or even Splinter Cell. But it makes it, it puts it in a realm where it feels slums of Victorian England sort of thing. That's what Dunwall feels like in in the, these games. And it works really well because there's this certain level of, like, almost steampunk um, magic and mysticism and mechanical beings and creatures and, and rotating rooms in some of these levels. And it's a very cool setting. But more than that, there's these times where it feels um, almost romantic, and then sometimes where it feels almost like a horror game. They do a wonderful job of stretching between the ideas of having stealth and also having combat, trying to be non-lethal and the benefits of that, of doing essentially a low-chaos run, or going in and being very violent and doing what is considered a high chaos run. And by doing those things in the game, you actually do see the overall effect of it by the end of those games. It's all done very uh, well, and it encourages you to play multiple times and with different kinds of play styles. I really liked how it was built. It is important to note that Arcane Studios, who made those games, has a pretty darn good track record overall. And we're going to be talking about them a little bit more in a minute. But let's get on to the Doom stuff. Uh, 
the Doom stuff is uh, the 1993 Doom, Doom 2, Doom 3, uh, Doom 64, which if I remember correctly came out before Doom 3, but that's the way this works, folks. It's 64 was for the Nintendo 64, and then oh, Doom Eternal. Now, what I think is interesting is that the Doom that is not listed there is actually the 2016 Doom that was the precursor to Eternal. Uh, I have I get the feeling that that might come later. But anyway, I did not really get to play a lot of the old sprite-based ones. The Doom, the Doom 2, Doom 3, Doom 64. I played a little bit of Eternal. I played a little bit of Eternal, and actually I did play some of 3. Uh, but I do have to say that Doom in general, for me at least, is not a huge series. I don't I don't really enjoy it very much. It always felt too much like a a shooty shoot shoot kind of affair. And while I do enjoy some shooty shoot shoot action, I felt like it was just so much that and really nothing else that that was going on. What I did have to appreciate though from the later dooms like Eternal is how fluid and fast it was. That is definitely not something that you got from the earlier game. Like Doom 3 did not have that going on for it. It was uh, much slower. There were fewer enemies at any one time. And it wanted you to kind of go through those corridors and be very thoughtful in how you were approaching situations. When they got the later Doom ones, like Eternal, they wanted you to get right into the action immediately. They wanted you to see this at a, a frame rate that was ludicrous to watch. And they wanted you to be constantly in combat and it makes it for an absolute rush the whole way through if you do enjoy shooters and you like to shoot demons on mars in hell then congratulations you have the doom series if it interests you at all i do have to say some of the older ones are not necessarily ones that are going to fare very well because that was before the time where you could actually look up and down this is pre looking up and down territory so just keep that in mind. Uh, now, of course, we have the Elder Scrolls games. Okay, so uh, we we have to take these one at a time, really, uh, because I, I can speak to all of the four that came out. Uh, we have uh, 3, 4, 5, and online. So Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind is the entry point that I had into the Elder Scrolls series. It is still terrific. It definitely looks dated. It, it's not going to look modern by any standard. But it was a very, very ambitious title for its time. It, Morrowind is a huge game. Huge. And there's so much going on. The problem, from a modern standpoint, if you're coming into it now, if you've never played it before, is that it is going to be very difficult to keep track of what is going on. The reason is because this is before the time where they had, like, mission tracking, and this is before the time where they had waypoints. So Morrowind becomes very tricky to navigate. You have to, like, go through this long list of your notes... Because there are literally like a hundred books worth of text in this game to go through. Literal books that they basically wrote. You know, entire scripts. And you have to go through your notes and try to figure out, you know, directions to get places in the game. It's not an easy game to navigate. It's not an easy game to, to understand on that level. There isn't, like, voice acting 
very much for a lot of the characters. Uh, so you you have to do a lot of reading. But that doesn't stop it from being one of the most ambitious and one of the most interesting role-playing games that I've ever played. And it, you will sink a lot of time into it if you engage. Four, Oblivion. Okay, so this is where things definitely modernized a lot. And this is probably where I could say that the it was the first like modern Elder Scrolls game. Because now we do have waypoints, now we do have mission objectives, now we do have fully voiced... Uh, characters. Uh, now this is where they had the Radiant AI that came into place, which is basically where all of the different characters have schedules that they keep. They go to work, they come home. This this is what uh, Oblivion brings to the table. I do still have to say that it's probably one of my less favorites of the Elder Scrolls games. It just didn't have quite as much a personality for me, and it still feels very rudimentary when you look at Elder Scrolls V Skyrim Special Edition, mind you, which is part of this collection. And Special Edition means that it has the Dragonborn and the Dawn Star, whatever that was called, the one with the vampires, uh, and all of that and some improved graphics. Uh, you're going to notice a huge improvement when it came to Skyrim, because I know that it's a seminal thing that you've all probably already gotten in five different locations, but the, the truth of the matter is, is that Skyrim was uh, even more ambitious than the previous entries in the Elder Scrolls series, and frankly, just streamlined and, and made a lot of quality of life improvements and a better user interface for people to enjoy, and made probably one of the most fleshed-out worlds to explore in video gaming. And it still holds a very special place in a lot of gamers' hearts for that very reason. It's hard to go wrong with Skyrim. If you've never played it before, I would be surprised. But if you have not, I definitely recommend that you do. And if, if you don't even like the basic game, it also features a massive mod community behind it. And then, of course, Elder Scrolls Online, which I've played some of, and I do have to say that I don't necessarily know if it lends itself very well to the series. I always liked the idea that in Elder Scrolls, things that I did actually had long-term ramifications, that if characters die, they're dead, that, that when I go through a mission and I make a choice in that mission, that you see the effects of it everywhere. And the problem is, is that with an online MMO like Elder Scrolls Online, you can't do that. Things have to remain somewhat stagnant and stationary to what they were before. You just kind of have to deal with that. It's hard for you to get around it. So, not exactly my most favorite online experience. The next one in the collection is one I actually have not played, so I can't tell you much about it, which is The Evil Within. Although I guess I suppose that is now, I don't really have an excuse to try it out. I am noticing that The Evil Within 2 is not in here. Um, but again, maybe that's going to be eventually down the road. Uh, it was never just, it just was never a thing that really interested me particularly. That's all. Uh, okay, so let's get into Fallout. <laughs> Okay, so uh, there are three Fallout games that are in this uh, collection that are now available on Xbox Game Pass. Uh, you have Fallout 4, Fallout 76, and Fallout New Vegas. Okay, um, there are some notable exceptions here. In much the same way that it is 
kind of a shame that you don't have the original two Elder Scrolls games, although I don't think that they're really formatted for modern systems. Uh, you also don't have the older Fallout games. Uh, but I can kind of understand that you might not have had the older Fallout games for the same reason, but 3. It is kind of weird that they didn't put 3 in there. Uh, because it's, it is perfectly available on Xbox, and uh, it, it's available on to purchase on Microsoft Store. But it's not on here. Maybe in the future. It would also be nice if they did, like, the the Game of the Year edition or something like that. Because, really, at this point, folks, why is it that you can't have that? But, okay, so the first one that they list is 4. 4 is a perfectly good and much better user experience than previous Fallout games. Um, it's not necessarily the richest storyline. It doesn't necessarily have the most engaging landscape. It doesn't necessarily have um, the best storylines and sub-stories and mission progression or anything like that. But it does have one of the best interfaces. It does have one of the most satisfying combats. It does streamline a lot of things, especially when you're trying to search and loot different containers. That's streamlined well. It definitely adds in a lot of stuff with base building and being able to modify your weapons. That was all really cool. So, a lot of good stuff going on. You will spend an inordinate amount of time playing it. And I did like what they did with power armor in that game as well, where you could, uh, you know, actually upgrade and modify different pieces, literal pieces of your power armor. It wasn't just a, a better set of armor like in previous games. It really felt like it's a thing that you purposefully get in, put a power cell in, and uh, that augments you. It, it's, it's like an actual suit of armor that you are putting on. Now, Fallout 76 came out later and was working off the same basic technology of it, but I think that everyone is probably aware, if you've ever heard me talk about it, that I do not like 76. I do not care how much content they try to put into it. It is never going to have as much content as 4, no matter how much they try. It might be larger, but that doesn't mean that it is def uh, better or that it is more full of content. It just felt a lot flatter to me. And uh, not nearly as engaging, and even though they're putting in NPCs and such, I still don't find it nearly as appealing as other Fallout games, such as New Vegas, which is the other one that is now available on Game Pass, was available once upon a time, is available now again. And uh, New Vegas is, by and large, and uh, this is not going to surprise a lot of people, my favorite Fallout game, one of my favorite games of all time, absolutely engaging, there is something just so utterly satisfying about that moment you leave Doc Mitchell's house, and the light hits your eyes, and you are staring out across Good Springs and the Mojave Desert, and there is just something so absolutely engaging the second you step out into that world, and a look upon it and just see all of the possibilities and everything that you can explore and the harshness of the reality that you're living in and how wonderfully they fleshed out all of the factions and these different characters and how well written it was. It's just a fantastic game. Uh, and if you never played it before, you have no excuse now. Uh, Prey. So I said that we were going to get back to Arcane, and we are getting back to Arcane now. Prey fantastic game. Now, it is not necessarily the Prey game that we were hoping to get. For those of you who are not familiar with the 
franchise. There was a different kind of prey once upon a time. It was very mind-bendy. Um, you, uh, you were dealing with these aliens that were coming through, like, war poles, and you were, you know, fighting them on the ceilings and stuff like that. And then they were going to make a Prey 2, which was looked like it was going to be pretty incredible because it was going to be about you being essentially like an intergalactic bounty hunter on this far-flung planet. Looked really cool, but then that basically became vaporware. Uh, Arcane ended up getting the rights to do the series again. They completely changed everything about it. <laughs> And we ended up with The Prey that came out in 2017. But I'm not really complaining because the game that they did make is terrific. Um, taking place on a space station, this alien race called the Typhon, the, these sort of uh, ethereal black clouds of uh, creatures that ha take many different forms have taken over the station, and you, as uh, Morgan, you have to, uh, you know, try and, and escape the station and, and stop them from going off to other planets. But just the first introduction that you have with, like, the mimics, uh, where they can turn into other things, just puts you in this constant state of anxiety about what might be lurking around the corner. And as you encounter all of these other different variations of the Typhon, you find that every single one of them will hit you on a different kind of anxiety level. And that's really impressive. Storyline's really neat. Uh, how they do upgrades and whether you want to take essentially xenobiological upgrades so that you're more Typhon or not and what you have to trade off in those scenarios is really interesting stuff. And they still have the same great gameplay that they brought to the Dishonored franchise definitely one you want to try. Probably the best game of 2017, honestly. Okay, so Rage 2 exists. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be too mean to Rage 2. The only thing that I would really say is that I was never a big fan of the franchise. I played the original Rage. I didn't know what all the fuss was about. I'm sure that they were trying to... It was probably trying to like say, hey, Borderlands is a thing. And maybe we could make something like that, but without, like, the, the graphics and stuff. But they basically made a pretty straightforward bread-and-butter shooter experience over a few different levels with one hub area. There wasn't really any of the innovation that you would have seen in the other games. The only thing that it really had going for it was that kind of wasteland experience. And that's fine, but no one was really clamoring for a sequel, I, I don't think. But when they did Rage 2, what they said is, well, we are going to do an open world, essentially, where you can get into vehicles and um, go around to all of these different areas. And it's going to be more like a Ubisoft sandbox game where you have to liberate different areas and, you know, increase your faction reputation with these, these three, four different advisors that you have, and then they'll access new missions for you. And it's fine. It's fun. Uh, since it is uh, id, the fluidity of combat and the fluidity of, of the gunplay is uh, insurmountable. You, you will not find better uh, similar to Doom, but it doesn't really innovate in any way over other the first-person shooter open-world sandboxes. And you can find a lot better. If you, if you do, you could go over to the Fallout series. They're going to be more satisfying for you. And then we get into Wolfenstein. 
So there were three Wolfenstein games. They come from Machine Games. They're the new developers that are working on the series. Uh, the ones that are available now are The New Order, The Old Blood, and Young Blood. Mysteriously absent from that is The New Colossus. It is not the most recent of these games either, so I'm not quite sure why it's not involved. But uh, what I can tell you about them is that they are really good shooter experiences that have surprisingly deep story elements to them. Well, uh, okay, I should probably clarify. The New Order is that kind of a game. B.J. Blazkowicz no longer being kind of just the jar-headed protagonist of previous Wolfenstein games, but truly being a character that has emotional depth and has a much better writer behind the scenes and a really great voice actor uh, who makes the character come alive and feel much more human. Uh, not just this, I go and kill Nazis dude, but a, a real character with real motivations. And then they supplement that with an entire cast that also ends up being well-fleshed out and having real meaning and conversations that make every single cutscene feel like it's a, a movie, practically. And then there's also the things where you go around with some cool guns and get some cool epic kills on some futuristic-looking uh, Nazi designs. Uh, Old Blood actually kind of takes it back in time a little bit. It's really more of a standalone expansion to the New Order. Uh, but you get to have, like, a pipe in your hand that you get to use to, you know, like, shiv people, and that's pretty great. Still has some of those good story elements, though, some some of those really nice story elements. If this had also had the new Colossus, I would say that it would also include some of those great story elements and also increased playability by allowing you to go through uh, recurring missions. But it's not in here. So what we get instead is Young Blood. Now, there's a lot of people that will tell you that they don't like Young Blood. I don't mind it. I think what it did, it did fine, but it is definitely not the best example that they can give. Uh, what happens in Young Blood is it, it takes it into the future. BJ Blazkowicz is kind of gone, and uh, no one knows where he went to, and his two daughters his twin daughters have gotten into these futuristic suits and are taking the fight to the Nazis through Neo-Paris. And that's a neat concept. It, however, does not have nearly as interesting a storyline or as nearly as interesting the characters, and unfortunately it falls flat on a lot of the things that people liked from the other games. And, and also it becomes a little bit less of a tight shooter experience and a little bit more about having damage sponges that will remind you probably a little bit more of some of Bethesda's less savory tactics uh, in, in how they want to implement things. And uh, it, it just becomes kind of laborious to deal with combat when it gets to young blood, unfortunately, I like the exploration elements of it, but yeah, it, it it gets kind of insane that you know every troop that you come across eventually has a billion hit points and just takes forever for you to deal with. Um, and also the constant part where it wants to be a multiplayer co-op game 
And if you want to play by yourself, you have to deal with a very shoddy AI companion. Uh, so it does make it the least enjoyable of all of the Wolfenstein games. But since it's part of Game Pass, you might as well try it out. So it's not a bad collection, and this is definitely just adding a lot of bang for your buck if you have Game Pass or you've been thinking about getting the Ultimate Pass. Um, and most of these are on PC as well as console, and a lot of them on cloud as well. So it is uh, is definitely something to consider. There's already EA Play and a whole bunch of other resources that are on there right now. There are, of course, those notable exceptions, like the ones that I was talking about before, some of the uh, earlier Elder Scrolls games, some of the earlier Fallout games, Fallout 3, especially because it is still in the realm. They're able to bring New Vegas in, you would think. Um, possibly the first Rage, that also not ancient. They could have brought that in. Uh, Doom 2016 would have been nice to see. Um, Dishonored... Uh, Death of the Outsider, which was like a standalone expansion for the Dishonored franchise, but was very interesting where you play Billy Lurk, uh, or uh, the new Colossus for Wolfenstein. They did have a few notable admissions. I am kind of surprised that they wouldn't be bringing those to Game Pass shortly, considering they have access to the catalog. You would think that they'd want to utilize it to the best of their ability. It's not like they're they're going to be selling a lot of copies at this point. They are several years old. But as far as it goes, most of these are really good. Basically, everything that I played on this list was good, with the caveat that I don't really recommend 76, and Youngblood isn't particularly great, and Rage 2 is kind of generic in general and you probably won't enjoy it and also if you were going to play it I would also suggest maybe playing Mad Max uh, which was actually a really good licensed video game uh, very enjoyable has a lot of the same element and the, the point is it's hard to go wrong with a lot Elder Scrolls Online wasn't a great MMO the point is the point is most of these are really good experiences you might as well try them out even if I said that I didn't like them so there you go. That's a huge collection. We just ran through a lot of games very, very quickly, and I am exhausted. I'm going to go sleep on a rock and hopefully not drown in the ever-encroaching flood zone down in the lower chambers. And where are you? Go what? Sorry, are you? Oh, you? Are you gone already? You are faster every single time. 